What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show is brought to you by the good folks at CBDMD. January is an important in setting the tone for the new year, and in 2021, that has never been more true. Luckily, our good folks at CBDMD are here to give you the support you need to conquer your New Year's resolutions and make this year your best one yet. And if those resolutions happen to involve fitness, they've got a brand new topical product that'll help you keep moving all year long. CBD Relieve and Lidocaine fuses CBD's hybrid broad-spectrum formula with fast-acting lidocaine to help provide temporary relief for minor aches and pains. And with new bag-on-valve spray technology, Relieve can be applied comfortably at any angle, even upside down. And make it even easier to get the year started off right, they're offering all my listeners 20% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, and the promo code is NBA for 20% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. We don't just have a title sponsor for the show. We also have a wonderful guest. Joining me today is Brandon Sprague, my friend and yours, host of Dirt and Sprague weekdays 12 to 3 on 1080 The Fan here in Portland. Brandon, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing really good, man. I figured, you know, I had you so much on my show throughout the years. I'm glad I got the invite. I made the Richmond wish list. I am on the Locked on Blazer podcast. I'm having a great Tuesday. Yeah, we have talked to Blazers a lot. Um, both like casually, but in, in, in like a professional way, I have never been the one to ask you the questions. So I am excited <laughs> to turn the tables. Um, yeah, I, you know, I've, I've had, I've done a lot of radio hits, you know, pacing around my house. So I'm glad I could return the favor for you wherever you're pacing around these days. Well, I am currently pacing around in my child, my children's playroom right now next to their big dollhouse. So I'm enjoying my atmosphere. And I'll just say, it's nice to have the tables turned because when I'm asking you questions, I'm always wondering, I wonder if Richmond thinks that's a stupid question or if that's a good question. And sometimes I feel like I can tell with your answer, but yeah, it's I nice usually to keep it pretty real. <laughs> um, let's just, let's start big picture stuff. We're 10 games into the season. The Blazers are six and four. They probably only have one really bad loss. Um, you know, they've had some losses where they got their ass whooped, but I don't think those were as troubling as it's just one bad loss to the Bulls. Um, if they were seven and three, I think the, the, we would all be, you know, getting ready for the parade or whatever. But after 10 games, what are your big takeaways? Like, what do you, what do you think about this team? Where are they at in your mind? You know, it, it's going to sound a little homerish, so apologies on that. I actually am still pretty excited about what this team can be. And, and I think, that's the toughest thing for me is like you do a daily radio show or if you're doing a podcast, you don't want to go way over on the extremes either way, right? Like you don't want to pronounce them a Western Conference Finals type team yet. And you also don't want to say, well, they lost to the, to the Chicago Bulls who don't seem like a playoff team. Break it up, it's over. Right. So I, I think that the journey of having Rocco and, and DJ – and you brought Cantor back, and Nurk is still coming back off of an injury. I think people like to forget that part of this, that like, hey, he played in the bubble and he had a couple good moments, so he's Nurk again. No, I don't, I'm not sure that's how it works. Uh, pair that with Melo deciding to come back and Gary Trent's minutes going up. I, I think it's an exciting time because I do think they're a good team. Uh, to that degree of how good they are, I don't know yet, but they've shown flashes, I think, of being able to hang – 
with the teams they're going to competing in the West against. And then they've also had their bad moments. There's no doubt about that. But the one thing I've, I've constantly said, and I'm trying to drill into people's minds, is one, if you're very disappointed in this team 10 games in, that kind of feels like a you problem. Because yep. I, I don't know what the expectations could have been. Like if I told you Blazers' first 10 games, the record will be blank. Is a super fan going to say 9-1? and one? Well, that's fine, but that's your expectation. So to place that on the team being 6-4 and four and saying they're no good, I, I think that's a bit of a stretch. So I'm still not sure. Uh, 10 games is not a big enough sample size, but I'm still to the point where I'm excited about what they potentially could be, especially with the way CJ's been playing. Yeah, I, I asked someone else this, and we'll, we'll talk about CJ here in a second, but when will you feel like, because this is obviously a weird year, and like, th- honestly, as we as we record this, there might not be NBA basketball games by the end of the week. You know, um, it's, it's, it's very strange, but how many games in, assuming we just sort of plow forward, will you say like, this is now, this is meaningful? Like, it, do, does it, does it change this season as opposed to other seasons? I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, you know, I think the tough thing with that, Mike, is normal years, and, and look, you've been on the beat. I, I've never been on an NBA beat, so you can correct me if this is different. But I feel like when you talk to people who are around the league, uh, you know, media types, from mainly from, from my perspective, it feels like they always hear it's 20 to 25 games and you know who a team is. Now, I know it's a 10-game reduction in the schedule, but I, I, I don't think that number should change, despite what that difference is in percentage of games. I still think you should wait 20 to 25 games, allow Terry to maybe have a better feel of his rotations. He's still kind of tweaking and experimenting, which I, I actually like. I think there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're still winning games. Um, so I, I think 20 to 25 games is about the, the bar, I would set. I mean, look, the Blazers are 6-4. and four. People are wondering, oh, you know, what's wrong with this team? Denver was in the Western Conference Finals a year ago. They lost Jeremy Grant, but they're sitting there at 5-5. Five and five, and Yeah, they don't look great, it doesn't. Right? Right, and it doesn't feel like the world's ending on them yet. Now they're beating Brooklyn as we currently speak, and you're right, we don't know what the uh... tonight. They got Bull Bull starting a small forward tonight, so they they're having a wild time. <laughs> and I love it. I love that they're starting Bull Bull and giving him those minutes. He seems like a good prospect, but uh, I, I just think in Portland, it, it can feel the magnitude of a loss feels even bigger here than probably a lot of other cities because we all care so much from the fan perspective. But I, I would still stick with the 20 to 25 games before concluding who this team probably is. We're recording this on a Tuesday evening. You are going to be listening to this on a Wednesday. I don't know when y'all listen, but probably some Wednesday or after. Uh, so there's going to be a couple games maybe after um, once this posts, but this is right on the heels of the Blazers being the Raptors. What I want to ask basically is if – if Pascal Siakam scores, he hits a shot from six feet, well contested by Robert Covington. Is like how much does that change the how you feel right now? Like, um, we're so results oriented. Have are we missing the big picture by saying, well, they beat the Raptors, they're good, versus if that shot goes in, oh, they suck. Um, that's a very good question. The funny thing about that is, um, I, I think you, me, and a lot of basketball fans. And despite what the record says, I think Toronto came in and you, you always respect the Raptors, right? Like they were yep. good before getting Kawhi. They were good with Kawhi and they've been good after Kawhi. I know it's a slow start for them, but that's still, there's championship pedigree on that roster. And so them coming in at two and seven, I didn't go, oh, this should be a pushover win. I was expecting a really good fight from a team who's kind of become desperate in a certain regard because sure. you don't want to lose a uh, race in the East uh, playoff. But you're right. 
I mean, what are we saying if Pascal Siakam doesn't have the ball rim out again? Which, by the way, back-to-back nights, back-to-back the, the back shot nights. is the same. It's the same thing. It rolled out back-to-back nights on him. I felt really bad. but Yeah, that stinks. I mean, to be honest with you, man, I, I still think I'm saying I'm excited. Um, I know 5-5 five and five may not sit well with everybody, but if people would just allow a moment to breathe and you look at the West, the Lakers are clearly the cream of the crop until right. they get knocked out this year. I'm not going to uh, give up the mantle to the Lakers. They they deserve it. They earned it. Clippers are seven and four. The Blazers, if they would have lost that, are five and five. They are a game back, a game and a half back. It's not like you go five and five and now you're at the bottom tier of the West. This has been a tough start, I think, for a lot of teams, even the ones that have won. I mean, Golden State was the the butt of all the jokes at the start of the year. They've kind of course corrected. Dallas got off to a slow start and had some weird games. Oklahoma City, we thought they'd be nothing. They're five and four. So yeah, they're kind of good. It, it's just yeah, they're not bad. They're 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 actually a sneaky little good team and they're fun to watch. But I I just think we went into this as if it was a normal season, and to a certain extent it is because they're traveling and they're playing in arenas. But there's still no fans. A lot of these teams didn't play in those circumstances, so that's weird to them. And then just because of the way the season ended and then abruptly started, I think it's impacted almost every single team in the NBA. And I think you Definitely. see that when you look down the record. Definitely. One one funny thing I keep thinking is like, uh, I think the the win over the Raptors was the Blazers' best game of the season, specifically because they played poorly. Like, uh, they beat the Rockets late, um, but that was a, a trash game that they just kind of stole against a team that was way undermanned. Um, I don't put a lot of stock into that one. Uh, the win against mm-hmm. the Lakers, they just played really well, and it's just like, oh man, they look really good. Um, it, but also, Gary Trent Jr. made maybe an unsustainable number of shots. Um, and, and against against Toronto, they fell down by double digits, clawed back in, fell down by double digits again, and then found a way to win. And I almost think it's the best win of the year because of like actual adversity you can point to. It's like, oh, this team didn't play great and they found a way to do it. It's kind of the sign. It's maybe more of a sign of a good team that they kind of clawed that one away. And again, like if Siakam scores at the end, maybe I'm not saying that. Maybe I'm I'm too, I'm blinded by it. But But I really do think that Raptors win was the best game of the year precisely because they didn't play well. No, yeah, I mean, the Raptor win, I think anytime you get a, a win against a team with that kind of experience, you're always kind of going, all right, that's a good team win. And look, there, there's something to be said for fighting through adversity with a new group of guys, right? Like Derek Jones Jr. doesn't know what it's like in a crunch time moment with Dame and CJ along his side, or Rocco, who's had great stops in, in different teams. He doesn't know what this is like. And there, there's a feel-out process with this. And I also love, by the way, Terry's taken a beating this year uh, because of what they've not been or, or lack thereof on defense. And I, and I get it, I guess, to a certain extent. But how about him? I mean, Cantor, I've actually really liked what Cantor's been. And yep. I, we can talk about him a little bit later because people love to trash his defense. I trade what he does on offense any day of the week. But he didn't play Cantor. Nurk got hurt, and he said, screw it. I'll put Harry in, and I'm going to run small. They've got Boucher, who's killing us from the perimeter. So, I'm with you. I think the Laker win needs to be right there just because anytime you can be the Lakers, especially in L.A., you're happy about that. But to what you're saying, like, these are the moments that really get a team like Portland who have new, uh, you know, a new group. This is what gets them ready for the playoffs because these are crunch time moments where they don't, they can't afford to drop games and they're finding ways to win. I think that does nothing but build chemistry for them. Sure. 
Let's, uh, we haven't, we kind of teased it, but we didn't touch on it. Let's come back in the second segment and talk about CJ McCollum, who is bawling right now. Yeah. Um, he somehow yeah. he, he slipped to the second segment, but you know, they, it happens sometimes. We were, we were going big <laughs> picture. Now we're going to zoom in here in the second segment. But before we get there, I want to tell my listeners about betonline.ag. Brandon, I know you are a betting man, and there's only Ooh, one I'm place. A degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me give you some recommendations. There's only one place here at the Locked On Podcast Network that's got you covered and that we trust. That's betonline.ag. And you can sign up right now for a free account and you can use our promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Look, it's, it's betting season. NFL playoffs, basketball games every day, um, eventually college, meaningful college basketball games here in the not-too-distant future, including Carolina playing tonight against Syracuse. Uh, one of my listeners me have a friendly wager on that one uh, outside of betonline.ag. But in any case, it's betting season. So don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. So we're still chatting here with Brandon Sprague of 1080 The Fan, the host of Dirt and Sprague, weekdays 12 to 3 here in Portland, Oregon, and available on the web if you're smart enough to find it. Sprague, we talked about the first 10 games. we got to talk mm-hmm. about CJ McCollum. The dude is balling. This is the best we've ever seen CJ play. I don't. We don't need to debate it. <laughs> this is the best we've ever seen him play. Is... Is this in your mind when you watch him play? Is this the new CJ or is this a hot 10 game stretch? Um, is it possible it's a combination? Uh, you can you can hedge. Know, I'll allow you. You're a betting man. I'll allow you to hedge. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I do think there's an element uh, of him feeling trade pressure. I think there's an element of the expectations of this team have clearly been risen above can Damon CJ make noise at all in the playoffs too? Can Damon CJ get to the West finals and be a legit threat? Well, CJ's never had that all-star recognition. He's been close and people kind of view him as an all-star, but you actually, you kind of need the label at some point to stick next to your name. And so I I do think this is the new CJ. I think we're getting an aggressive. I also think it's a combination of he's playing great basketball. He's, Locked in that move he had against Toronto, the spin move, and just the the, the left with the smooth little J. I mean, that looked like he was going at half speed, but it was so smooth that Van Vliet had no clue what was going on. It was it was a practice move. I mean, it was it was like open gym. It's like okay, hey, you're gonna go down when you hit the the three point line. We want you to spin. We want you to get into another skill move when you get below the free throw line, and then raise up from 15 feet. Like it's a it's a move you do against cones. Like a cone. <laughs> he treated Van Vliet like a cone. You don't get that very often. Van Vliet's a good player. Yeah. But I, I think this is it, Mike. I, I don't know if he'll keep it up. If he can, great. I mean, anytime you get a guy that's averaging, what, the second most three-point attempts per game in the, in the league behind yeah, exactly. Steph and hitting a 44% clip and third leading score in the NBA, um, that's going to be a lot of noise for Portland and for other teams to have to contend with. I, I just want to throw out real quick, I have been a guy, admittedly, who has gone so back and forth in the last four years about trade CJ, don't trade CJ, trade CJ, don't trade CJ. And I, and I ride the wave of what their season is. Admittedly, I fall into that trap. But I came to the conclusion that 
for a guy to blend in next to Dame and not demand things the way so many players in this league do, I think you're only trading CJ for a special player. Now, that being said, let me throw in, I love this CJ. I want to keep this CJ. And I also think this is a, this is kind of the stamp for the people who thought about wanting to trade him because we all knew this CJ existed. We just wanted him to expose it. We wanted to see this version of CJ. And for whatever reason, it popped out in 2021, and I'll take it every day of the week. And I think if he's going to keep playing this way, uh, he is the added element that changes the Blazers' playoff dynamics. Yeah, I mean, it was always, can the Blazers get a another all-star next to Dame? And I think it was assumed that that would be a thing that was sort of outside of the franchise, right? You bring in that other all-star, mm-hmm. but somehow... CJ, maybe he just did like, maybe he just got good at math or something and he realized that three pointers are more, worth more points. I mean, he's, he, you know, four year college guy. He, he's probably done more math than I have in my day. Um, so maybe he just realized he should shoot more threes and less 22 footers. And that was, that's the difference because he's always been a very good jump shooter. Um, but mm-hmm. he has just sort of raised his, his efficiency profile and sort of what, what he does. Like he, he doesn't turn the ball over. He's dishing out more assists because I think he has more control over what the defense does. And he's just cut down on his longest two-point attempts and turned them into three-point attempts. And he's taken an efficiency leap that just is pretty rare for guys age 29 and above. Like this is not, this is maybe common for dudes in that age, um, you know, 24 to 25 range when they, when they kind of figure it out. But for CJ, an established guy to make this leap, um, I'm with you. I do think this was some of... Um, him realizing the pressure that if like if he wants to get where he wants to go like if he's he's made hundreds of millions of dollars and if he wants to take sort of the next step in his career it's going to be team success and i think he sort of dialed in on what team success might look like for him and yeah and yeah go ahead oh i was just gonna say and i remember that note um i think i might have referenced this on the show but i that note that we had heard like his brother was basically like hey man you got to be aggressive. Like there's no slow start for you this year. Go in there and do your yep. thing. And I, I think that's a big thing for him. You know, he's got clearly got a great relationship with his brother and they're always probably ones that can speak honest to one another. So I love that his brother kind of stepped in and said, Hey, let, just get it going. You're, you're a really good basketball player. You just got to be locked in and ready to go. Yeah. The only thing on the mind of a shark is eat in the words of, <laughs> in the words of Lil Wayne. Um, <laughs> He's listen, I've been a guy who's kind of been like CJ's good, but not great. And then I I kind of thought he was a finished product. So I'll just say like from a personal perspective, I have really enjoyed um, this version of him because he is phenomenal. He has he has for the first time in his career pushed the debate to a reasonable place where is he the best player on the roster? No, no. I mean, I'll answer that. I'll answer my own question. But it is the first time in five seasons where it you can bring it up, you could talk about it on a morning show on ESPN, and it wouldn't be an outrageous um, line of line of debate. It it, it uh, obviously they're not as accomplished, and that goes without saying. But like it, it feels very similar to um, Clay and Steph, and, and what I mean by that is obviously Clay is the defensive six seven dude who can shoot and get sixty points without touching or dribbling the ball at all you know he just gets it and catch and shoot but what i mean by that is it, it's it's a reasonable debate i mean you really could argue clay thompson and his value that he adds to the team with his size 
but you know Steph is the best player. It's just worthy of at least mentioning, and I think that's kind of a similar thing here. And obviously right. they've been compared to the Splash Bros before. And yeah, Dame is the better player, but DJ playing like this, he, he makes it really interesting, and he does make you think. And by the way, let's also throw in when Dame does miss games and it doesn't happen often, CJ's production goes up, and that's the other frustrating part in the past has been why can't that CJ find a way to blend in with Dame or you stagger the minutes with them and we get that CJ? We've had that a little inconsistently, and it feels like we're kind of getting a version of that, but with better three-point shooting. I think last year in those six games that Dame missed and CJ averaged like 30 and nine or whatever it was as like the lead Mm -hmm. guard, uh, after that, when Dame came back, Terry said something in a pregame uh, scrum that was like, we have to coax that out of CJ more often, which is like, Terry just never says anything like that. He said something like thoughtful and honest about one of his players that was relatively critical. And I remember looking at Jason Quick like, oh shit, like, I cannot believe he said that. And we went and we talked to we went and talked to CJ about it that night, and he's he was a little bit defensive about it um, because he's probably not used to having Terry publicly not criticize him, but be critical of sort of, um, but say like you know you can play better, and we know it. And I think I think somewhere in that six game stretch both him and the coaching staff said, "Listen, this is what we need from you." And they kind of it it he just woke up like whatever, whatever the sort of the playmaker, more complete player from CJ, he realized that he's capable of it, but he has to dial into it. And I, I think those six games last year were really, really instructive for CJ's career. Cause if you, if you just look at his splits, his assist numbers from before Dame went out to, to now he has taken about a, like a 25%, almost 30% leap and just a, like raw assist. He's just, he, he figured something out in that moment. And um, I think, I think Terry did too. Like, I think they figured something out together to kind of get him to this level where he's more than just a scorer. And obviously he's added even more to his scoring element than we'd seen in the past too. And, and, you know, I want to add one more thing on that, too, because I, I think that's great. And, it, and you talk about the numbers bearing out what it feels like we're seeing. And sometimes, you know, there can be some analytics or some numbers, I think, that can be a little misleading and you kind of feel that way. But, like, that percentage seems spot on. I, I can't – this is hard for me to quantify, and, and maybe you can because you're much better than I in this. But you call me a nerd. Th- there's an <laughs> – yeah, you love basketball, man. You dive deep. Um it, it, I, the statistics are down just a slight hair, and Dame is clearly still Dame. Like, he had a moment last right. night against Toronto. He had that moment against the Lakers. But it feels like Dame is figuring out how to kind of play with this CJ. It feels sure. like there's a little sure. bit of an impact. And, not, and I don't mean it as, like, a bad thing, but it's, like, something that's good for them to work through. And if, if Dame, and I think he will, breaks through and figures this out like, hey, this is what CJ is kind of doing now versus what he kind of used to do, that unlocks the new potential of what the team can be, right? You're as good as your best players are, and if CJ is an all-star and and close to averaging this for a large portion of the season and Dame figures out how to go with this, that makes them dangerous. That's what helps them take that next step. So I know we've heard it from our listeners on our show. I'm sure you've seen people on Twitter. There's an element of What's going on with Dame, right? Yeah, it's a friend of mine texted me today. He was like, yo, do you think Dame is hurt? And I was like, no, I don't. I don't think he's hurt. I, he's like, look right. at his numbers. He looks fine. Exactly. And I think the only thing for me that I can conclude at least now, and it's only 10 games in, is there's an element of CJ playing this way 
changes the, the way that they're usually operating. And I think Dame's just kind of finding his way through how to navigate that. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that because before we, I think like the idea was that it was a 1A and 1B, but really it was a 1 and a 2. Like CJ was mm-hmm. the 2. You know, and now it now it's for the first time, like I said, is it's it's really one A, one B. Like they really have a a, a productive um just sort of killer. I don't know if I want to use that word, but a guy who can really just go win a game on his own on offense. Right. And uh right. CJ has always flirted with it, but now he's really, really, really getting there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let's let's uh come back in the third segment and talk about tall people. We got to talk a little bit about Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, obviously, we don't really know what his health status is, but we need to discuss his first few games with the Blazers. And, and you mentioned Ennis Cantor, and you can't talk about Nurk this season without mentioning them. So that's what I want to do to close out the show. But before we get there, let's talk about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Brandon, are you a, are you a protein bar man? I love a good protein bar. You get that snack, that craving, and you have a protein bar, it sells you right away and you're good to your next meal. Well, let me let me point you in a certain direction, my man. Built Bar is, it really is the best tasting protein bar ever. I got a box of them. I love these things. They come in 18 amazing flavors. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're, they got the, kind of like a candy bar-esque texture. Um, if you're a protein bar person, you know that there are some chalky, gross, sort of like sand in a package protein bars out there. That is not what this is. These are delicious bars. Um, and in addition to that, they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Take, for instance, the coconut almond flavor, 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, five grams of sugar, just five net carbs. That's a great snack. There are worse snacks out there. If you are hungry and need to kind of um, hit that craving, like Brandon said, there you are not going to find a better option than Built Bar. So go get your hands on some of these. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass for his point guard. Still Mike Richmond. And you're still listening to Locked On Blazers. We're still chatting here with Brandon Sprague, host of Dirt and Sprague, 12 to 3 weekdays, 1080 to the fan in Portland. Brandon, we talked yeah. about the Blazers' first 10 games. We talked about CJ yeah. McCollum reaching new heights. We got to, maybe, maybe this is bad structure to the show. You're a radio professional. You could tell me about it off air. We kind of got to bring it down a notch. Nurk doesn't look good. I'm not ready to panic about Nurk. I actually saw some uh, some advanced numbers today that suggest Nurk is like a totally competent defensive player right now, and um, maybe that I'm freaking out. But he doesn't look good. Are you? What's your level of concern? Give me like your you know Smokey the Bear fire warning level of concern with with use of Nurkic right now. Uh, you know fire warning. Right now, it's a mild one. There's You can have campfires. Let's be smart about it. Let's douse our fires once we're leaving the campsite and make sure there's no uh, hot coals anywhere, and we'll be okay. Uh, one, to, one, to, one to ten, I'd say I'm at a five. Like, th- this is not a great start. I'd be interested to hear those defensive numbers because I, I feel like he's okay, but I, I don't feel like he's the defensive nerk that we've seen over the last couple of years. But I've also, you know, this season's so weird that I'm always like having an opinion and then I stop and I second guess the opinion <laughs> just to try to have perspective on it of uh, like I'm looking currently and you say, you know, everybody's going to listen to this on Wednesday or whenever. I'm looking at a still image of a Miami Heat Philly game and Joel Embiid is sitting 
17 feet away from the next person closest to him wearing a mask and it's an empty arena that cannot feel normal, right? There, there's an odd feeling to all this. And I think you add that with uh, uh, just an emotionally draining offseason personally for the big guy. And then I also don't want to lose sight of he had some good moments in the bubble, like some encouraging moments to the point where Blazer fan was telling me they were going to beat the Lakers and they were going to maybe the go to the Western in the NBA Conference. very briefly. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think – when he came back, I remember saying, and I, I know a lot of people say this, but I kept citing Gordon Hayward and Paul George, two mm-hmm. guys who had horrific injuries, very similar nature of Nurk, and Paul George was fine, but he wasn't quite what he is now, and that took him about a season. Uh, Gordon Hayward, same thing. He, he didn't look as, the same as he did prior to the ankle injury. And now look at him in Charlotte. He's, he's freaking balling. Um, so I think there's an element of this that because a couple games happened in the bubble, we assumed, oh, we're going to have an 18 and 14 a game NERC as soon as the season starts. And I mean, you add COVID to anybody's personal life along with coming back from an injury. I think there's an element of that. It's going to take him a little bit. And, you know, we've, we talked, you and I have talked about this before of, uh, 15 games or so is kind of what you're aiming to see what he is then. Yeah. And, and obviously he's battling an injury right now, but I, I just, I'm not ready to panic yet. It's not encouraging. Cancer has been better, but he's coming back from a brutal injury. He had a horrific off season personally, and he came back to camp late and clearly out of shape. So he's battling like three different things right now. And, and I think if we're going to love the big guy, we we got to have a little patience for him to be, try to get back to the the form that he was in. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm probably like a I'm probably like a you know only have fires in the fire pit. You know, you cannot start your own wildfire at this point. You can do it in the <laughs> within the rocks, and you um you know and the and the ranger's going to come around and and make sure that you're not committing you know arson or whatever. But so I'm a little bit more concerned about him. But here's here's the numbers that I want to I want to point out to you. Uh, five thirty eight. The good folks. Five thirty eight. Shout out to the real nerds. Um, they did they did their their updated Raptor ratings. And according to their Raptor ratings, Yusuf Nurkic is the has the fourth best overall defensive Raptor, which is like um, sort of an all encompassing defensive stat of any player in the league. Rudy Gobert, one. Clint Capella, two. David Nwaba, three. Shout out to David Nwaba coming off an Achilles injury and looking like an NBA player. And Nurk, four. That's ahead of Miles Turner, who's who's been really good. That's ahead of Embiid. That's ahead of uh, Jakob Portal, who's a really good defender. Um, ahead of Steven Adams. It's... it's um, I don't know if that matches up with my eye test, to be totally honest, but uh, mm-hmm. it gives me some hope that that what I'm seeing, I'm a little bit biased because he's looked so, so bad on offense and the advanced numbers look bad on offense, right? Like he's just, he just can't score in any, in any type of way. And he misses so many dumb shots around the rim, which has been a thing that has haunted yeah. him for years. So I think he can, I think he can kind of get that together and I'm holding out hope. I'm not, I'm not worried about him yet. I still think you play him and you play him a bunch and you, and you get him through it. Uh, Like I said to you today on the radio, it's, there is no, um, there's no version of this team that's really good. That doesn't involve Yusuf Nurkic. So they just need him to be good. That said, Cantor has been awesome. And uh, you, I think they, 
they got to find ways to get Cantor away from Carmelo Anthony and let them both be their best because that has been the issue is that those two together is a horrific dense defensive pairing. And if you get Cantor with, with the good defenders, you play him with Derek Jones and you play him with uh, Rocco, then he's a lot of his issues are hidden. You play him with Rodney Hood mm-hmm. and Carmelo Anthony, you get freaking smoked. I mean, this is, if you want me to criticize uh, Terry Stotts, stop playing crappy lineups, Terry. You, I know you, I know they give you the numbers, dog. I've seen them on your cell phone. Um, just, just look close at them because they're a mess. They're a mess. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those, like, you could almost, you just know how bad it is without looking at the number situations. Totally. And, and I'm with you. I, I think it's so, I, to be honest with you, man, I think it's kind of tired at this point to just bitch and moan about Cantor's defense. Like, he's not a great defender. We all know this. We knew this going in. This was a an agreed upon thing, and then when he plays bad, we're all like, "Hey, he's really bad." And it's like, "Yeah, we agreed upon this." But what he does on offense, give me that every time. I mean, if yeah. you're going to be a mediocre to bad defender, give me the offensive rebounding. He's one of the best offensive. He's one of the best rebounding percentages in the NBA. He his true shooting percentage is like top six in the league. This dude mops up the glass. He gives you second chance looks, and most of the time when he gets the rebound. It's an easy little putback layup. It's not something you're getting from Yusuf Nurkic. So until Harry Giles can understand the concepts of what they're running here and he looks comfortable, you don't really have another option for your bigs until Nurkic can figure this out. So put me on the I love Cantor train. He's not perfect. He has his flaws. But I'm just – it's so annoying to me talking about Cantor's defense. They do need to switch up who he's with. I agree 100% with you on that. Sure. But it's it's very valuable to get uh, to get the numbers you're getting from him on the offensive end. You don't get that from a lot of backup bigs. Totally, uh, I think, uh, and I'll let you get out of here in a second. But I really think um, the the NBA seasons are so different, and in the playoffs, big slow centers are going to get targeted and beat up and exposed and all these things. But in the regular season, Ennis Cantor is a monster and you might as well mm-hmm. roll with him because it's just a different mm-hmm. sport. It's a different style of sport. Um, they'll have to figure out what they look like when the games really matter. But for the next couple months, I, you can roll with him and be a really good basketball team. By the way, Mike, let me, let me ask you this real quick on the Cantor, Anthony, uh, CJ, you know, the three guard man rotation that pisses a lot of people off. Just get, I mean, you might have the numbers, but what would be your best guess of what their plus minus is when they're on the floor? With Cantor and, uh, and Melo and CJ? Where do you think it is? Because I'm with you. Like, you see them and you're like, uh, can we not do this? I'm just yeah. curious what you think the number is. Uh, I'm going to say they're like raw plus minus, like minus 17 on the year. Mine, yeah, you're close. Yeah. They're on average, they're, let's see, hold on. Point negative point two. So basically, uh, like a basically even, perfectly a, 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 just, about about an even. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's an even. I was looking at a different. Okay. Yeah. So it's about it's close to an even. Surprisingly. Yeah. I mean, that's but, when you're when you're good enough at offense, it tends not to matter. But, but I'll also point out these are a little these numbers are a little misconstrued because you mentioned. I mean, the Sacramento game did wonders. Right. I mean you've got a couple blowouts in there that have like kind of leaned their way in terms of the raw numbers, but I don't get the Terry fascination with playing those three together. And to be honest, Mello has had so many good mellow, bad mellow moments, 35 minutes. I mean, he was big for them last night. He made the winning plays, but he had 25 minutes of just 
not good basketball. Yeah, it's it, it's so strange. I mean, you just you just need to play him less. I mean, that's just the solution. You get him down to twenty two minutes, twenty three minutes a night, and your team is better. Um, he can but be he really valuable, him. but you gotta you gotta figure out a balance there. Harry loves him, man. Yeah. Well, uh, Sprague, where can people find more of you if they're looking for it? Uh, at Brandon Sprague on Twitter or just turn on the radio, 1080 The Fan or the radio.com app. You can hit rewind if you ever miss a show. Uh, the podcast are at 1080TheFan.com. And uh, always check Mike Richmond's uh, text messages because I like to text him and bother him with all kinds of basketball stuff. And he usually responds, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah well none of you are gonna have access to those because there's um i'm being mean to all types of people and you can't be you can't be seeing all the people i'm calling idiots out there brandon thanks so much Bully for joining people us. Together. yeah thanks so much for joining us we'll do it again soon thanks mike appreciate it man it was a lot of fun yep that's gonna do it for today's show we got more awesome locked on blazers episodes coming later this week we had an overflowing mailbag monday this week so thursday's show is going to be uh, a partial mailbag we'll talk about the blazers game against the kings and we will answer your questions that were missed in the mailbag segment so if you're listening to this and you're like why did i get left out of mailbag monday don't worry we're going to get to all the questions we had this week in thursday's mailbag so be sure to check your feeds thursday morning for that show Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. It'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.